I just thought, you know, at the end of 50 days, if you make it, uh, you know, have some Uzo and Greek dance for a while. Uh, but, if, but if you don't uh, die trying, you know, leave it all on, on the track. Like don't, don't, you know, don't quit until you are you're, you're in the hospital basically. Welcome back to the Max Out Show, where I'm joined today by an icon of the athletic world, ultra marathon man, Dean Carnathus. On his 30th birthday, Dean decided to leave a job that made him miserable and instead become a runner, and he hasn't looked back since. Dean has won the Badwater Ultra Marathon, considered the toughest race in the world, and set a world record for the longest distance ever run without stopping. 350 miles, which is 500 kilometers. Time Magazine named him one of the most influential people in the world, and Man's Fitness called him one of the fittest athletes on the planet. So we'll take a deep dive today into dealing with pain and what it takes to become the best version of yourself. Thank you for having me on. I should say that I'm very sorry it's been such a... Uh... Uh, a process to get together, but I'm really happy to be uh, it's here. Been, so it's thank been, you. It's been very hard, but I'm so, so, so happy. You know, it's, it's, it's always so cool to connect with people that I've been looking up to for so long. Um, and I think you're someone that is just so inspiring for so many people around the world. And so I want to start out with this idea of dancing in the rain, because even, you know, with all those accomplishments, the feat that you've achieved, this thing that I think will inspire the most people. And the thing that people can really take away from the show today is the mindset that you've developed and how you've learned to reframe adversity and pain and failure and suffering into something positive. So can you share with us a little bit about how your mindset has evolved since you started your running journey? Yeah, well, I mean, it's, you know, running and especially ultra marathoning teaches you that, you know, you're, you're better than you think you are and you can go further than you think you can. Because when you run, even, you know, when you run a, a marathon, for instance, I don't want to discount how difficult it is running a marathon, but when you run a marathon, there are moments of doubt where you think, I, I can't go on. This is, this is impossible. Uh, I'm not going to make it. And when you push through those low points, you learn a lot about yourself. You learn that you have more resilience than you thought you did. And that is an invaluable lesson that translates to other things, you know, be it business or life. Yeah, for sure. Because at the end of the day, what I always feel is like life is, is or running is, is really this exploration of life, right? It's this, this outward exploration of nature, of you know, beautiful sceneries, of the mountains or the beach. But at the same time, it is this inward exploration, an inward search of our best self, isn't it? <laughs> so much so. I mean, um, it, it's both of those things. And, you know, there's a race that I've done many times here in California, where I'm based, called the Western States 100 Mile Endurance Run. And they say, you know, you run the first 50 miles with your legs and the next 50 miles with your mind. So it really is about self exploration as much as anything else. Yeah, for sure. Now, what, what is it about running that you love so much? <laughs> it's such a simple act, isn't it? I mean, run, running is, is uh, you know, it's just someone moving a little bit quicker than, than walking, but it's, it's profound in that. You know, I, I could, we could spend this entire interview um, with me trying to articulate what it is I love so much about running. And I'm not sure that anyone listening to this that's not a runner would fully grasp it. But 
there's just, there's something about the freedom of running, just the, you know, the human body in motion. And there's also something about being unencumbered. I mean, when you, when you run, you don't have anything, right? You know, you have the shirt on your back and the shoes on your feet, but that's very liberating. You're, you're released from the, the kind of heaviness of, of all these things we wrap ourselves in. So there's that, that sort of release and freedom. Um, you know, there's certainly the challenge of running. Uh, and then to me, it's, you know, I just love the act of running. I've found that some people seem to need a reason to go running, uh, you know, either to lose weight or to stay in shape, uh, you know, or to, you know, beat their best time. But I found that these people typically, they burn out. They don't last that long because until you can actually love the act of running, uh, it's not going to be as meaningful, uh, you know, when things get difficult. Yeah, absolutely love that. You know, I, I ran cross country and track in, in college in the US actually, in Florida. And my, my running coach, she had this saying, she said, I run in the morning, so I'm not an asshole during the day, right? <laughs> and I loved it because like, first I was so confused, right? And I was like, this makes so much sense because like you say, like it makes you come alive, right? It's the best feeling you can get in the world. And you're totally right in that, like you can't necessarily describe it. You have to experience it in some sense to to fully grasp the power of, of going out there in nature and truly experiencing the running. Yeah, I mean, there, you know, there's, there's running in nature and I have a very uh, deep relationship with nature. Uh, I, you know, I, I feel uh, more at home in nature than I do around people. <laughs> so I have a, a very strong connection with nature, but, you know, unfortunately, I would say most people in the world don't have a, a very solid connection with nature they've kind of lost that connection you know we go from our our air-conditioned cars you know to our air-conditioned buildings to our air-conditioned office you know we sit inside all day and i think i saw a statistic recently that said you know most people spend 95 percent of their time indoors wow, <laughs> and, yeah. and i think it should be the i think it should be just the other way around yeah, for sure. No, I 100% agree. Now, can you take us back for a moment to, to your 30th birthday? Because that was a, a day in your life that really changed everything, wasn't it? Well, it was. And, you know, I, I will set the stage. I had loved to run uh, when I was a kid. And I ran all the way up until I was in high school. I ran competitively as a freshman in high school. And then when I was 15, I stopped running. I, I decided that, um, you know, running was boring. It was a waste of time. <laughs> you know, I had other ways to, to spend my time. So I stopped running altogether. And then I went through university and I went through graduate school and then I went to business school and I had a very comfortable corporate job in San Francisco. And I was out with my buddies on our 30th birthday, you know, my 30th birthday doing what a lot of, a lot of people who turn 30 do, you know, we were drinking heavily. Uh, and at midnight, you know, I said that uh, I was leaving. Uh, and they said, you know, my friends looked at me, I said, well, why are you leaving? You know, it's your 30th birthday. Let's have another round of tequila. And I said, no, instead of having another round of tequila to celebrate, I'm going to run 30 miles right now to celebrate. <laughs> yeah. And they looked at they me. They must have thought you were crazy. Like, they laughed at me just like you're laughing at me. They said, you know, you're not a, you're not a runner. You're drunk. And I said, I am drunk, but I'm, I'm still going to do it. And I literally walked out of the bar and that night I ran 30 miles. Wow. 
No, it's just, just I mean, this, this story itself is, is just incredible, right? But I think what's more important than even is, is what you did afterwards, right? Because it wasn't just this, this one-time flash of inspiration that then sort of faded away, but you actually learned that you loved running and you took action on it afterwards, right? Yeah, I mean, I, well, you know, I, I should clarify that the, the run, it, you know, it took me all night. I mean, I left at midnight and I think I arrived at my destination. It was, the sun was coming up, so it was around <laughs> seven in the morning. So it was, it was a painful and, um, you know, protracted uh, endeavor just to get through that, that 30 mile run. Uh, but there was something magical about it. There was something that was beyond any experience I'd ever had before. You know, the, the corporate world and the life I thought would bring me such fulfillment, you know, of, of a good paycheck, you know, all the, the stock options and all the perks, they, they didn't give me the same sort of feeling of deep, profound fulfillment. And that night did. And I thought, you know, there's magic in this. And uh, you're either going to wake up at 50 years old and say, man, I wish I would have pursued my dreams, uh, or you're going to pursue your dreams. And, and I chose the latter. You know, I love that so much. So, so what do you say to people? They're in a similar position right now where they, they know what they want, but they're so scared of giving up this comfortable thing. You said, you know, you had a very good job. You had the corporate car, all the, all the perks that come with this, this traditional American dream. So what was it in you that, that made you decide, no, I'm going to go completely different thing. I'm going to you know, get in this discomfort, right, of quitting my job and chasing something that that maybe even seem unreasonable at that point. Uh, no, you're absolutely right. And, you know, but I, I do have some empathy for anyone who's listening to this thinking, you know, I'm stuck in a job I don't enjoy and I want to be doing something else. It is, it was the single most terrifying decision of my life. It's scary to your point to set out on your own. And it, you know, nowadays it's more commonplace. You know, there's, there's a lot of, um, you know, kind of gig jobs and there's a lot of more entrepreneurialism than there was, you know, when I made this decision, which is, you know, a couple of decades ago. And uh, back then people just, you know, you, if you had a good corporate job, you stuck around for 20, 30 years yeah. until your retirement. And I said, no, I'm not going to do that. You know, someone, uh, I, I once read someone uh, who had said that, you know, it, fa failure doesn't stop people. It's the fear of failure that stops people. So I thought, you know what, give up your fear. And if you fail, you fail. Maybe you'll move on. Maybe you won't. But I'd rather uh, fail trying and, you know, look back and say, at least I tried versus look back and saying, I wish I would have tried. Yeah, I love that so much. And you, you mentioned this, this inherent sense of, of risk that's part of any grand endeavor, right? What was the, the riskiest thing, the riskiest project you've ever taken on? in that time? Oh, there's, there's been many, but there's um, been, <laughs> yes. yeah, you know, so one time I set out to run uh, 50 marathons in all the, the 50 U uh, S states in 50 days. So oh. it, you know, it was, it never been done before. And it was this, you know, 50 day uh, journey. Uh, and I, you know, I worked with a guy and he said, you know, it's going to be expensive to do this. I mean, you're going to have to, you know, you're going to have to get a bus. You're going to have to, you know, fly around, you're going to stay in hotels, you know, and so we need to get sponsors. So we ended up uh, putting together a little sponsorship uh, pitch deck and we went out to some sponsors and all of these sponsors said yes. So wow. I had the North Face, you know, I had Toyota, Toyota, I had Timex, you know, these big corporate sponsors. 
they're all of a sudden giving a lot of cash to get this job done. And, you know, it seems so great. Like, wow, they said yes. And wow, you know, the, our bank account's filling. And, you know, now we've got enough money to pull this thing off. And then I started thinking, <laughs> suppose I don't make it. I mean, I'm saying I'm, I'm going to run. Way to put the pressure on. Yes. Yeah. Like I suppose after five days, I can't get out of bed. And that was a lot of pressure because all of a sudden, you know, I thought, wow, this is going to be a great, you know, uh, a journey to see if I can pull this thing off to, wow, if I fail, the stakes are pretty high now. Wow. Yes. Yeah, so what gave you the courage then to still pursue that dream? You know, I just have this attitude of never stop exploring. So I thought, <laughs> just, just throw yourself at it and do the best you can. And, um, you know, see if you can pull it off. Just, just, just do the best you can. And that's all we can ever do, right? I mean, at the end of the day, uh, if you can look back and say, you know, today I was my best. Today I did the best that I could. You really can't do much more than that. So I just thought, you know, at the end of 50 days, if you make it, uh, you know, have some ouzo and Greek dance for a while. Uh, but, if, but if you don't uh, die trying, you know, leave it all on, on the track. Like don't, don't, you know, don't quit until you're complete. You're, you're in the hospital, basically. Wow, I love that attitude. You know, to to give our listeners a little bit of background here, the fiftieth marathon was, I think, a three three flat in in New York, right? Which is just yeah, you have, you have, unbelievable. Right. It was like what twenty seconds behind Lance Armstrong when he did his like <laughs> <laughs> marathon after yeah, like on the fiftieth day, which is just, I mean, unbelievable. Yeah, and I was clean as well. Yeah, you would have gotten him. <laughs> I wasn't anything to helping me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I love that. But you did get P Diddy, so so that's. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm super curious. You know, the the physical preparation is one thing, but then the the mental game during races is really where it's where it's really settled, right? So, what does your self talk look like? When you're, you know, in that race, maybe it's, you know, that New York marathon, maybe it's mile 100 and some ultra distance marathon. What does your self-talk look like in those moments when you're fully in pain? Yeah. So, you know, at the start of a race, I have anxiety as, as I'm sure many people do. And it, it doesn't matter if it's, uh, you know, for me, a shorter race, like a, a marathon or, uh, you know, a hundred mile ultra marathon, uh, I'm nervous and I'm anxious just as everyone else is. You know, the thing that helps calm me is I just say to myself, you know, today I'm going to be my best. Today I'm going to try my hardest. Like I am not going to quit. I'm going to run as fast as I can to the best of my ability. And when I cross the finish line, I'm going to be spent. Like I'm going to be completely wiped out. I'm going to leave everything I've got on the course. So today just be your best. And I, and that seems to quell my, uh, my nerves a little bit because I know you can't control the weather. You can't control your competitors. You can't control a lot of things, but you can control yourself. So that is just my commitment at every starting line is today I'm going to try my hardest. You know, what, what gets me through some of these, these low points? You know, I have mantras. I have all kinds of things. I mean, you know, I always, I always uh, when things get really tough, you know, I haven't slept for days and I've run hundreds of miles and I still have, you know, 50 miles to go. I always say to myself, uh, Suck it up, buttercup. <laughs> <laughs> and that pizza probably also helps, right? <laughs> pizza helps, yeah. So have some fun with it as well, yeah. Yeah, can, so can, can, you, can you, you know, walk us through a little bit for, for some of our listeners that have 
no idea what it's like to, to run for that long. Like, what is it like to, to, you know, run these huge distances? I mean, there's the whole organizational aspect, right? Of like ordering those pizzas to the next <laughs> intersection. <laughs> there's a whole, you know, blisters on the feet. There's the whole pain. Like, what does that preparation look like beforehand? Well, you know, some of the things I do uh, is, you know, is, is things like, uh, you know, on, on Friday night, I'll, um, you know, I'll set off uh, on a run. I live in, uh, in San Francisco, so I'll set off uh, on a run going north. <laughs> I'll just tell my wife, I'm, going, I'm heading up to uh, Napa Valley, you know, and the course I follow is about 100 miles. So I'll carry a, you know, put on a hydration pack and, um, you know, bring my phone and a credit card. Uh, you know, so I can stop along the way at, at, you know, if I get hungry or whatever, and I'll basically just run for, you know, 17, 18, 19 hours. I'll just run straight through the night uh, up to Napa Valley. And then, you know, she'll drive up in the morning and we'll spend the weekend together. So, you know, people, people think it's crazy what you're doing a hundred mile training run, but uh, I do things like that quite often. Yeah, wow. It really puts, I guess, the races then in perspective, right? Because when you train that hard and that much, I guess it's, it's sort of comparably easy to run a marathon on any given day, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't want again, I don't want to discount the difficulty of a marathon because, you know, a marathon is a serious endeavor. Uh, you know, the thing is when, when you run, you know, 100 miles or 200 miles uh, without stopping, you know, you, you have a certain confidence going into this, to the start of a marathon that you probably will finish. You know, it might not be the time you want, but you probably will finish. Yeah. For sure. For sure. It's so, so interesting. So, so I'm really curious, like what's the next big project for you right now? I guess <laughs> could I sort of <laughs> on hold probably well, I mean, for, for yeah, the being. I, yeah. I mean, just so, so listeners understand, you know, we're, we're right in the middle of this uh, pandemic right now, the COVID-19 pandemic. So we all have uh, incredible restrictions on our lives. Uh, you know, I, I had a really full schedule this year. I mean, I was supposed to be traveling, I was supposed to be in South America. I was supposed to be in Australia. Uh, I was supposed to be in Europe. <laughs> wow. I'm saying was supposed to be because every single event that I had scheduled for uh, 2020 has been canceled. So now I've, I've got nothing on, on my schedule. Um, I'm going to do things though, like um, there's a local race here that I'd signed up for uh, called the Miwok 100. And that's in a couple of weeks. So I'm just going to show up at the, the starting line uh, you know, at, at 5 a.m. and um, <laughs> just do a virtual run myself. I'm just going to run the course uh, by myself. Uh, you know, things like that. I mean, that's I'm doing the best that I can with the limitations we have uh, on us right now. Yeah, for sure. I think those virtual races are coming more and more often, right? Of people like trying to measure up themselves like around the world, right? Trying to see who can <laughs> run the longest I mean, or whatever it is. Some of it's about competition, but you know, it, it's never, it's not the same. I have to be honest, because I've done a yeah, few of them. Sure. Hmm. It, it's just not the same. So the virtual races, now that I'm doing more, are just, you know, like tomorrow I'm doing um, the, uh, there's a, a virtual 5K for Earth Day. And you basically sign up, you register, you know, you pay your entry fee. And then at any any time <laughs> during the day, I mean, you have 24 hours, you, you run a 5K. And, and that's the virtual run. I mean, it's, it's not even a race. I mean, I, I don't know if people are tracking on their time. But it's, it's just more, you know, camaraderie, if you will. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And I'm, I'm really curious, um, 
is it different for you like going into like a race with actually competition you know trying to win the thing like the bat water whatever it is versus you know your own personal project where you just run for 100 miles like on your own like is there a different mindset and, and focus yeah, I mean, I, I've never honestly gone into a race uh, with the exception of one race, the, the Badwater Ultramarathon in 20, uh, 2004, that I just said, I want to win this race. That's, that's why I'm going to this race is to win. Uh, that's the only time I've, I've done a race where I've said, that's my goal is I want to win. Wow. Uh, I did. I happened to win. So I was yes, <laughs> I was yeah, it worked that out well. <laughs> so what out. was different that year? Like, was it just like, I want to, I want to really go for it this year and, and just see, or why, why that year? Yeah. I, I, you know, I, I'd run the, I'd run the race in, uh, in 2003 and I was, I was runner up. So I came in second place, but I never really took, I never took it seriously. Like I, I always thought of, you know, running 135 miles across death Valley in the middle of summer. You know, I've always thought of it as, as this grand adventure. It was it <laughs> transcended racing. You know, to me, a race is a stopwatch, and you know, it was, it, it was a man-made construct. Where this, to me, the Badwater Ultramarathon was this this great, you know, uh, man against nature sort of thing, and for survival. But the person that won was very competitive, and I noticed toward the end of the race, like they were really paying attention to where I was at. Like I was kind of gaining on them. And all of a sudden, it was like this really competitive thing. And I thought, oh, this is interesting. Like, they don't see it as this grand adventure as I'm seeing it. They see it as they want to win. And they did win. And I came in second. And um, I, I thought, you know, I would have won that race had I really tried. <laughs> I just never really tried. And, you know, go back next year and see and really try and see how things go. And, uh, you know, it was, it was a different experience, I have to say, uh, you know, running competitively to win the race versus just running it for the, you know, the, the grand adventure of it. Yeah, that's so interesting. So was it, was it actually less enjoyable to you that year? I would say it was. Yeah, it was definitely a less enjoyable experience. I mean, there's there a lot more pressure. You know, everything was about looking at your clock and, you know, it was a different, it was a different experience altogether. Yeah, and it was... I would say not quite as, as pleasurable. Yeah. You know, I can, I can, I can relate so much, right? Because of what I found in my own running is like, anytime I, I set like specific goals for like how fast I want to be, right. I want to be like this position in a race. It stops being fun, right? It becomes like this, this business quote unquote thing where like you have to deliver a certain outcome, right. And only if you get that thing, are you going to be happy? And otherwise you go home depressed and miserable. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. You said, I mean, that, and that to me is such a farce. I mean, I know people that have run, you know, hundred mile races and they said, ah, you know, I missed the cutoff. I missed the 24 hour cutoff by, you know, five minutes. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> you hold it. You ran a hundred miles in like 20, 24 hours and five minutes and you're disappointed. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, that's like, to me it was so wrong, but a lot of people think that way. And I, I never want to get caught up in that because to me, it, it just changes the whole dynamic in a, in a not so great way. Yeah, it really seems like like you just have this love for running and like the, the, the activity itself, right? Everything about it. Yep. And and I've I've you know, I've really I've taken measures to to protect that love and you know to notice when I have less of that love and I just notice that when I'm really racing, I have less of that love. So don't race as much, you know, just go for the enjoyment. 
Wow, that's that's so interesting. What, what what do you think people struggle with the most? Because like when whenever you know I talk to people and like we, we talk about running, it's like oh my gosh, it's so painful, it's so boring, right? Like how how can people you know start to sort of get off the couch and begin to to see running in that same way? You know, um, someone said to me, "Doesn't running hurt?" And I said, "It, it does if you're doing it right." <laughs> <laughs> so. So some people seem to embrace the, the struggle. Uh, others, uh, you know, they, they try to avoid the struggle. And I think it just comes down to your mindset. I mean, you know, a, a runner is someone that kind of embraces pain and embraces hardship and, uh, you know, sees these things as something that, that brings a person to life. Where, you know, if you, if you watch television, I mean, half the ads are, oh, you know, take this pill and you won't have pain. You know, take this pill and you'll feel better. Well, we just say, <laughs> let's go running. Let's go running. <laughs> kind of like what your coach said, right? You know, like, let's go running in the morning so I'm not an asshole and I, I feel good the rest of the day. Yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's so interesting. So I have, I have a couple of things there, right? So one is like, whenever I got headaches, I go out and run. And for whatever reason, it stops, right? <laughs> yeah. I know if it's just because my legs hurt or whatever. And then the second thing that, that I was always found really fun was, you know, or, you know, like, you know, on a like easy day, right? Just, you know, six, seven miles, whatever. And our legs were heavy and we're like, oh, coach, we're tired, right? She'd say, hey, run some more, right? Like do five <laughs> more <laughs> because you're tired, right? And it was, it's so funny, but for whatever reason, then you actually start to feel better over, you know, just <laughs> those 12 or 13 miles then sometimes. You know, I, I, I know exactly what you're saying. Yeah, no, love. Yeah, I mean, you know, pe people say, uh, do you ever not run? And, you know, in, in two and a half decades of, of running pretty hardcore, uh, the longest stretch I've gone without running has been three days. Wow. And, and that's because I, I got very sick. I had the flu. And after three days. But even there, uh, three I, days, it was just <laughs> can't three do days, it. I, three days of just, you know, being really sick. And mm -hmm. I thought, I'm not getting any better. Might as well go running. I went <laughs> running. And then and the next day, I was better. Like, wow. next day, I got better. So, yeah. Wow. So, see, could you ever do another sport? Would it ever be appealing to you? Yeah. No, I mean, I love, I love a lot of other sports, you know, outdoor sports. I mean, I, you know, I was a big surfer uh, when I was younger. I grew up in Southern California, so I surfed my whole life. I love mountain biking. I love rock climbing. You know, there are always outdoor solo sports. Yeah. Uh, you know, but <laughs> a little yeah, bit more no, extreme than, than golfing, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Yeah, but I, I I really do like a lot of other sports. No, I love that. <laughs> now, Dean, one one thing we always do on the show is we love to celebrate failure as a stepping stone to building more character in our lives. So throughout your career, do you have a favorite failure? <laughs> yeah, there's a race that's called the Leadville Trail 100. Wow. And uh, it's, quote unquote, I mean, this this is how absurd the circles I run in are, but uh, you know, it's a quote unquote easy 100. <laughs> so it's in Leadville, Colorado. I mean, it starts at over 10,000 feet above sea level and it goes up to nearly 13,000 feet above sea level. So I, I don't know how you classify this as being easy, no way. <laughs> but um, it, it's not, it's not the most difficult race I've done. So I went there the first year and uh, everything was going great. And then I got um, altitude sickness at mile 85. So, I mean, I was, I was doing great. All of a sudden I get into an aid station at mile 85 
and I just, I couldn't even say my name. I couldn't follow on someone's finger moving back and forth. So they said, you know, you better drive him down to, to Denver. Uh, so I failed. And I thought, all right, I'm going to go back. Well, I went back the next year and I tripped on a root and cracked a rib. <laughs> Shoot. So I failed again. And I thought, okay, this, this quote unquote easy hundred miler is just crushing me. And so I went back a third time and I was having a horrible race. I mean, the, the wheels just came off, so to speak. And, um, you know, I somehow, I got to the finish line. And even though it was, you know, it was, it was one of my slower races, uh, I'll never forget it because I, you know, I, I did everything I could. I didn't give up. I made it to the finish line. It wasn't pretty, but I got there. Yeah, that's so interesting, especially this mindset of never giving up, right? Like if you fail twice and you still come back after getting your ass beaten sort of thing twice in a row, right? To still then <laughs> suffer all the way through, but finish. So I love that. Yeah, no, I mean, a lot of people would hear a story like that and they'd say, you know, oh, you know, this is my not God, you're, you're so lucky you didn't die out there. I'm, yeah. I'm sure you never went back. And, you know, my attitude was, what do you mean? Yeah, of course it did. <laughs> I'm going to die. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get to the finish line until it kills me. Yeah. <laughs> of course I went back. Yeah. No, I love that. Now, I'm super curious. What, what has running taught you about life? Are there any lessons that you've learned? Uh, I've learned so many lessons. I mean, I think that one is, you know, uh, being alone and by yourself uh, is not a bad thing. So I, you know, I know a lot of people that don't enjoy being by themselves, but we're essentially born into this world alone. And, you know, we leave this world alone. So getting comfortable with yourself, I think is something that really helps with spirituality. Um, you know, I also think that uh, running, um, you know, it, it improves your mood. We know that, uh, you know, a fit body is a fit mind. So, you know, physical activity has been shown to, um, to improve mood and, and improve your thinking and your outlook on life. So, you know, I, I know a lot of my friends that are, uh, you know, they suffer from depression and, you know, they've tried all different types of things. And they said, you know, it's just, it's running. Running is the only thing yeah. that keeps me out of it. So, you know, r running for health is another reason that I, I think that running is important. And I also think that it's, it's just learning to enjoy something that's simple and slow and hard. I mean, in our lives, you know, things are so fast and so quick, especially with, you know, the, the rise of smartphones. I mean, it's just instant gratification. I think I saw a study where the, the average person's uh, attention span is eight seconds. That's crazy. I mean, that yes. is, that is, that's like a product of, of AI. Like, I don't want to be that. That's not what a human is. So I think that it's important to have that balance. I mean, sure, you can be, you know, on your phone all day, um, but put it down at a point and just and just go run. Yeah, you know, it's so true because like this, the, this painful act of running is almost the exact opposite of this immediate gratification, right? Because you won't see results right away. You won't get this instant dopamine in your brain when it says, hey, this is feeling good, right? No, it sucks in the beginning oftentimes. And it's painful at times, but somehow there's such joy and beauty at the same time in the process so i think it, it's, yeah i think it transcends you know all the superficiality we have around us it you know it, it just it makes you human <laughs> it makes yeah. you real yeah it makes you real yes yes do you have any other spiritual practices in your life 
you know, I've tried to meditate and I really suck at it. You know, I, uh, the only time I can meditate is when I'm running and, you know, I, I think that's fine. I mean, there's an African proverb that says, uh, you know, when you pray, move your feet. Yeah. So I think any runner knows, you know, we're closest to, to God, however we define God when, when we're moving, not when we're sitting idle. So I don't meditate. Um, I do yoga, but more just, uh, for stretching. And uh, I do the hot yoga. So it's, it's, it's also quite a challenge. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I love that point you're making on meditation. In fact, uh, one of my mentors, uh, Nicola Toast, she's an Olympic champion in snowboarding that, that was on a show. She, what she said to me, it was find what you love most and make it your meditation. And <laughs> it sounds like that's exactly what you're doing, right? You're taking that thing that you love most and you make it your meditation because you're able to, to, create the same kind of focus during running that other people, you know, might be able to do in some lonely mountain hut up on there in the woods. Right. <laughs> well, I like her quote. I mean, my, I thought you were going to say something different, which is a quote that uh, is one of my favorites is, uh, uh, find what you love and let it kill you. <laughs> <laughs> You're probably also doing that. <laughs> I'm doing that. I'm living that. Yep. Yeah. Now one thing, one thing I'm really curious is like, so there's the, there's the pain for running in that moment, but then there's also the fatigue that you experience throughout the rest of the day, right? So have you found any ways of sort of mitigating that and managing that, learning to still live, you know, a normal life in those, you know, other 18 hours a day, not running a day <laughs> with, well, with I that think, fatigue? You know, yeah, I think that I am most fatigued when I'm sitting down. So wow. I find that if I stand up all day, like even right now, I'm not, I hope you're not sitting down. I'm not sitting down. I'm bouncing around my toes. I'm walking around the room. I never sit down. Yes, and so even, yeah, I mean, even after a, a grueling marathon or grueling ultra marathon, the next day I always get up and I run. I mean, it, it might not be a, a long run and it, it might just be a shuffle, but I'll cover a couple miles. Uh, and I think that that's really important is that um, this kind of active recovery uh, really helps versus just passively sitting around. Yeah, I love that. Now, Dean, if you could give our listeners just one challenge today, one action step to take away from this, what would be that one thing? Okay. Every morning, the first thing you do when you get up is 10 burpees. <laughs> it's not a lot, I promise you, but it's miserable. Just to yes. get out of bed before you do anything else, before you, you know, you go get your coffee before you make your bed, do 10 burpees every morning without, without exception. Uh, and that's my challenge to you. Wow. Is that sort of your morning routine to, to just wake yourself up? That's what I do. <laughs> and it, you know, it, I think especially now with what we're all experiencing, I think routine is so important and it just, it uh, just a little bit of, of grunting and a little bit of, elevated heart rate and some deep breathing first thing out of bed it just sets the tone for the rest of the day yeah for sure absolutely love that now before i ask my final question where can listeners connect with you online oh just type in my type in my name in any search engine like uh just type in dean and someone said when you type in dean i'm the first dean that comes up <laughs> but um, type in Dean Carnassus, and you know I've got a website, and obviously I'm on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. So, yeah, just just you can check me out that way. Perfect. Now, what does it mean for you to max out your life? I think um, I think my my definition of a failure is not living up to your potential. 
Um, you know, we're not all Einstein. <laughs> we don't have to be, but we all have, uh, you know, some potential. And if you fail to live up to that, I think that that's a great disappointment. All right, guys, that's it for today. I really hope you enjoyed this episode. I hope you gained some valuable ideas, tips, tools, tricks, mindsets, belief systems that will hopefully inspire you to take your life to the next level. At the end of the day, guys, it's all about application. The only thing that's going to set you apart tomorrow from where you are today is how much action you take with those ideas that you gain. And so I really want to challenge you at this point to you know, not just listen to this passively, to not just consume this you know, passively, just thinking about other things, but to really take those lessons, take those ideas that you just gained and start applying them to your life. So to really start taking action and sprinting towards those goals and those dreams that you have in your life. Now, guys, at this point, I want to ask you for a huge favor. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider heading over to iTunes and leaving a review, as that helps me really grow the show and reach more people, impact even more people around the world. You know, if you have a family member, a friend, a loved one maybe, that you think could benefit from this content, please consider you know, sharing it with them, forwarding to them, as that helps us really build a community of like-minded people that are all about maxing out their lives. Now, guys, with that being said, thanks so much for tuning in today. I really, really appreciate it. Stay strong and see you tomorrow.